Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. You're just in time to see the corporate sponsorship that is Coke Zero as Crofton takes a big old swig. If you're not watching live, you're missing out. Coca-Cola, taste the zero. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan, this week. I said I wouldn't do a gimmick. It's a Pepsi. Ah, and you know what? Ryan, I should know you this. had one job. I should know this. I should know this because Crofton, who is joining me this week, as always, Crofton, I should know this. Because your your family is strictly a Pepsi Max house, and I know this because I was in your house, and you did not know that. I mean, you did. You invited me in. It's all good. It's I'm like a vampire. You have to invite me in. It it's true, uh, Ryan. I am a Pepsi uh, household. Uh, your whole like shilling for Coke was mm-hmm. was deeply upsetting to me, and that's why I had to hold up that can to correct yeah. you. Uh, yeah, you, you were you were in my house, so now you can validate. For real and for true, that I do have a family and children, and therefore am qualified <laughs> to do this show with you. And and I need to qualify the statement of two of them as referencing his two children, not his two families. I did not it's witness true. that. I, I will I will <laughs> just say though that it was a real family. Mm-hmm. It was not a family that I hired for your benefit in any way. I hadn't even uh, thought about that. It was, you know, like, in no way have I been stalking you online for years and years trying to convince you to do a podcast with me and then invented some sort of family and then invited you here and then was like, oh, shit, I've got to find a family and then went on (laughs) Craigslist and then hired some family members, then updated my Facebook with a bunch of photos from, you know, I didn't do any of that. They're a real family. You went deep. They're They're my family. Um, I believe you that they're your family. I mean, the, the fact that you keep bringing up Craigslist is not helping. <laughs> it's not helping me but, in any way. But it was interesting because, uh, yeah, I got to meet the family. We got to hang out. So I was in, in town for work. And, you know, like when you're in town for work, like the, like 4 o'clock hits, 5 o'clock. And then sometimes I work a little later because, like, oh, I'm on travel, feel a little guilty. So, like, 5 o'clock hits and it's like, okay, clearly what do I do? Do I stay in the hotel room and, and bar the door and, and watch Netflix? No. Crofton convinced me to once again enter the streets of Gatineau and drive uh, away after just getting there, which was fantastic. But we we had dinner. We had bagels. Leaving Gatineau is always a good thing, yeah. Well, getting I live in Ottawa. That's fun. Gatineau's the Smith Falls of Quebec. It ooh, is it? Can you say that? <laughs> don't you? Work I don't there? know. I don't think it is. I, oh, that's a very niche reference. Keep going. It's not really. It's kind of like probably half the episodes of the show is you yeah. shooting on Smith Falls and me trying to be like, no, seriously, it's really, it's not that bad. Where are you? It's great. It's got two hotels. Uh, yeah, it's true. It does have two hotels. Um, no, so we we had dinner. We had bagels for dinner. I didn't realize that was a thing, but we did have bagels. It was they were delicious. Oh my god, they're bagels! Stop saying whatever you're saying. Is it not bag? Okay, sorry. What are you bagels. from the East Coast? What do you say? What is it? Bagels. Bagels. Ba- like my friend Michelle, <laughs> who is from like Beaver Bank, which is a real place. It sounds uh, like you made it up and you're making yeah, fun. Yeah, it sounds like I made it up right now. Google uh-huh. Beaver Bank right now. I love that the Wikipedia article is like has the sign. It's like, welcome to Beaver Bank, which Beaver is like Bank. people – People living with nature or something. It sounds like a made-up place or a place where a murder would happen on a TV show. Anyway, it's it's right outside of Halifax in Canada. And uh, she calls them bagels as well. Bagels. Uh, and uh, every time she does, I feel like a chill go up my back. Really? Is that bad? Uh, yeah. I see. I don't yeah. know where I picked it up. And I hope I didn't say it in front of your family and embarrassed everybody. No. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have, because Clara would have got right out of her baby seat. She would have walked right over to you and just slapped you across the face. <laughs> it's and, true. And she, she barely speaks, but she knows that's wrong. Although you're uh, sheltering your children, because when I had to explain to them what Coke Zero was, they looked like their minds were like melting. They weren't. It's they a were, daddy drink. Yeah, it's an adult drink, which is which is hilarious. When you explain that to other people who don't know the reference, it's like you're already teaching your kids like how to fetch alcohol from the fridge like no 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 like i want to i want to pop we don't let our two-year-old and three-year-old drink pop that probably not not a good thing i don't know you do you guys but sugary drinks 
trying to hold off as long as possible on that one. Yeah, same, although, I mean, like, I don't know about you guys in juice, like, Gwen's a big into juice and lemonade in particular. Yeah. But we buy this, like, reduced sugar lemonade and stuff. But, I mean, she sees us. We're sh- we're all sugar fiends. And as you saw from our dessert mm-hmm. <laughs> of gummy-related treats, it's obviously, you know, our, our kids are going to be full up, full of sugar by the time they're, you know, hitting elementary school. Yeah, we so. like. I think juice is like this weird thing for the kids that we don't really give them juice, and occasionally they'll get their hands on a juice box, and it's like, yeah, yeah, have it, but like, it's not a thing you're gonna have all the time. Like, there will be plenty of times when you know they have juice boxes in the future. We don't really really worry about making sure they have juice. Um, although they they're big into like referencing coffee, like they they know what coffee is, they understand it's a daddy drink. They know what tea is. They understand it's a mommy drink. Like they don't go near it, but they understand coffee. I I just like juice has had t- is such in to use r- parlance of the wrestling world mm-hmm. has had such a heel turn since I was uh, when I was a kid. Juice was a baby face. Juice was like you had juice. When, and it was a health drink. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you give your kids juice because they'll get their fruits from juice and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then somewhere along the lines while I was becoming an adult, juice went evil. And now people are like, oh, don't give your kids juice. You're pretty much beating them, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what happened? What happened to you, juice? I, You know, that's not a bad, like, I mean, it's true. Juice, and I don't have a thing against juice. I just... I don't know. We we never had it as kids because uh, my older brother is diabetic. So like when we were, I'm sure when we were young, young, I'm sure juice was in the house. But he's diabetic, so like anything we had to drink that wasn't water was diet. So it it, it tasted bad, you know. Now that we have Coke Zero and Pepsi Max, like at least like the taste has like caught up with the zero sugar. But back in the day, like zero sugar stuff, you were a minority if you were drinking zero sugar. You know, oh right, yeah. Back in the day, like juice didn't come in in diet. It was always back in the day. Juice didn't come in diet, and you were a cripple if you drank sugar drinks. You're you know, young, like you're older than I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. Uh, if I'm, I'm a geriatric, just, you're a fossil. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, it's true, but it, it comes around, so that makes me cool again. You it's know? true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everything's everything old is new again. But um, no, I had a great time. Uh, I did the obstacle course like 16 times. Uh, my my yeah. daughter, who is four years old, uh, made uh, Ryan do this obstacle course that she mm-hmm. has invented. And I was really happy about that because otherwise I would have had to do that obstacle course. It wasn't course. too bad. I had to keep reminding her, like, it's her rules. And she kept forgetting to run around the tree twice. And she'd always run yeah. around once. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's because she cheats. Do it again. Yeah, you keep telling uh, her she cheats. And she's like, no, I don't. It's like, well... You know, she's, second opinion. I think she cheats. <laughs> I don't know where she gets that. Probably her mother. Oh, ouch! Yeah, she, she can um, probably hear you. Speaking of cheating, do you want to go into the dungeons? Yeah. Have you been cheating in Twilight Imperium ten hour marathon? Is that what you're referencing? Yeah. Well, sort of. Uh, I almost was tempted to cheat. So this time uh, is one of those times where, in as we enter into the deep dungeons of geekdom. I am not going to be talking about a video game. I'm going to use my time to talk about a board game, hmm. uh, not to be confused with a boring game. Um, and and uh, the game I played is this game called Twilight Imperium, which sounds exactly like the name of a game that I would make fun of someone for playing. Uh, when you know, like it's like, oh, you played Twilight Imperium, did you? Twilight Imperium: The Gathering of Sages, or whatever. It's it's just a, uh, it's just a super complicated space conquest board game, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, it's on its fourth version at this point. But it takes a ridiculous amount of time to play. It is really, really fun. And, you know, maybe it's because I played it a few times now. I don't think it's all that complicated um, for the for the size of the game. I think it's, it's, it's kind of clear. There are a lot of variables, but it feels very manageable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it takes a long-ass time. And it's not one of those games where, like, you feel comfortable being like, oh, let's play the first bit and then come back. You really kind of feel like, uh, you, you know, you got to, 
you got to play it in one sitting. So for Father's Day, my buddy organized like a, a Twilight Imperium game. And we just played four players, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is for Twilight Imperium. Like it can be bigger still, but it's just, you know, it's a long, it's a bit of a long, uh, long playthrough. Mm-hmm. And uh, of the four players, I finish fourth. So that is last. Oh, um, so it's not like it, you, you you try to lose like that's. Oh, you know what? Technically, I finished third. Oh. Um, it's the reason. It's one of these games that you win by victory points. So so it's like there's you play to ten victory points, and um, sometimes victory points can not reflect what is going on in the board. Like you can, uh, so for instance, I was pretty much wiped out. My ho- my home world was like destroyed and taken over. And like, I was in a really dire shape on the board, mm-hmm. but in terms of victory points accrued during the time that my home world wasn't taken over, I had managed to get enough victory points to finish in third. In fact, I was, first for a good chunk of the game because I overstretched myself early on to get victory points um, in favor of like amassing uh, a giant army. Um, So it was, but anyway, it was really, it was really, uh, it was really fun. And it was the first time I think since my kids have both been around where I was like, I'm taking this entire day. You know, I saw the kids in the morning and then I went at like noon to my friend's place and was there to like 11 PM playing this game. So what's the general sort of flow of the game? Like, so you're it's Twilight Imperium. You played for ten hours. You played beginning to end, which I I am also on board with because like it's very tough for for me and many players. You know where you have you have to you have a certain amount of time. Like I remember when I was in university and I lived with you know two of my roommates. We would we would start board games and have them go for for days. But obviously, you don't have that luxury when you're all over the place, right? And you, you all live in different spots now. So, like, sitting and finishing a game, that makes perfect sense. So, what's the general, like, setup for this? Like, what's the workflow? Like, it sounds like you're going for victory points. There's armies. Is it, like, risk or something? It sort of uh, sort of is. So, here's the thing is that there's 10. You're playing at 10 victory points. The board is uh, one of those boards with modular tiles that you mm-hmm. kind of build. Um, and you build it differently depending on the players and a bit randomly. So there can be like, you know, stuff like wormholes and all that. The only thing that's consistent is that there's a city planet in the middle called Mechatol Rex. And that planet is important because the first person to secure it gets a permanent victory point. And if you stay on it, um, there's a way that you can get a victory point almost every turn as long as you're on it. Right. Ooh. So, um, so, so, but, but that's only one of the many ways that you can get victory points. Um, every player gets a secret objective and then there's public objectives, which are ways to get victory points as well. Um, and they can range from an assortment of things like take over three planets, or they could be as benign as like, you know, have a, um, a factory on some planet or something like that. You know, it's really, uh, but you're not, you can't reveal your secret objective and you can only have a certain amount of secret objectives at once. Um, and, and so you're playing towards those objectives as well as the public ones. And each turn there's like, there's these eight special ability cards and um, when you're playing four players, you're each able to pick one of them and they have a big bearing sort of on the flow of the game. And then you have a certain amount of action points that you're allowed to use every turn. And um, you choose from one of a variety of alien races. And uh, and the, those races all have their special abilities. They're, they're starting their starting armies uh, like mine had a very basic special ability. They're like, okay, I was late as per usual. Hmm. And, uh, and they were like, let's just give Crofton the easiest one that he's going to ask the least questions about, <laughs> which just adds plus one to every role um, that, which is a good power, That's but is also power. Su- it's super simple to understand. Anybody can get, it's like, Oh, I, I get plus one, you know? Um, and so that was, uh, but then there's others that have like four different ones. Like if you have Mechatol Rex, then you get this special ability, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, 
a bunch of different ones. So it's it's fun in that regard because every game can be different because the board can be different. The race that you're playing can be different. Um, how things unfold can be different. And battle, yes, battle is a, a big important part of it but you can the person who won the game was the least aggressive player only fought in sort of defense and managed to get uh, accrue the amount of victory points that he needed to to win so i mean it is cool in that regard it's not like risk where you're playing to to take over the world in the end like you can have alliances but you all know you're going to be plowing through somebody eventually Mm -hmm. um in this case it's like you know, you might not have to fight them. You could just like, but but every, you have to be aware. You have to sort of look at everybody with a skeptical eye being like, okay, they're going for a secret objective right now or they're trying to do this or that. And, and you may need to be aggressive to stop them from doing those things. So it, there's a lot of, uh, it's multifaceted. It's really interesting in that regard. Um, I think the biggest barrier to entry is there's a bunch of people that would look at it right off, like the art on the box, a lot of it, and be put off and say, oh, you know, this is too nerdy for me or too whatever. And I think that if they look past that and, and take the time, you know, to learn the game, it helps if you have someone. We have a, I have a friend who's very good at explaining rules of the game, of, of board games, and that's mm-hmm. a talent, like explaining the rules. Um, to newbie players he, he he does such a great job of it it makes it makes everything sort of go faster but yeah it was really fun i but i went through that whole cycle of like you know three quarters of the way through we stopped for snacks and I, i'm like this is the greatest game of all time i love it so much i was in first place and then uh and and then like you know everybody turns on me i get screwed i lose my home world i'm in last place and Oof. because the game takes so goddamn long we have to play like two turns that last like an hour and a half or two hours of me just getting my ass kicked and losing and i'm like oh this game sucks it's the worst i've hated it forever um and uh and so so it is you know the high highs low lows type stuff but really uh uh, it was a fun time for sure. It sounds a lot like Risk in the sense that there are those like moments of high highs and moments of low lows. Like I, 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 I don't play a lot of board games, but Risk is one of those ones that I've been playing more recently on and off. So I have a group of uh, coworkers. We get together and we play Risk. Sometimes we play a special kind of Risk. It's like called Zombie Risk. Where everybody, so this guy, he came to... Of course to, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But it wasn't my idea. He actually brought the rules. It was a custom rule set that he brought. And I still have the email uh, of the rules. And it was like, he has his own board. So he has the risk board, but then he's augmented it with his own sort of continents. So like, it's lined paper that's been cut into shapes and taped onto the board. And he's created new contents, continents. So it's like, um, I can't remember some of them, but essentially he created these continents and then they were like drawn on with, uh, you know, blue pen. And then every time you won, someone won a game of risk. So essentially when everyone else quit, uh, you could write in the name of that country and claim it as your own. So I think there was like one time we played and someone's, someone's name was like Valerie. So she named it, uh, Valonia Towers. (laughs) one of the one of the countries and essentially being zombie risk it's like so you so all the players lay their pieces uh, and claim their countries as pretty normal but then everywhere else a zombie is placed and that zombie you have to battle the zombies and then the zombies also you know multiply over time as they you know spread the virus and then there are hordes and all that there's a bunch of rules it's a lot of fun to play but honestly it's like i'm i'm like that kind of person who is trying to get everyone to work together, and that's where zombie <laughs> risk is interesting. Because I, I would like, oh, we have to, we have to meet in Zimbabwe for the Zimbabwe Accords, and we have to talk this out and figure out how we're going to deal with the zombies. But no one's interested in that. They just want to, they just want to like kill people as soon as possible and risk, right? But uh, yeah, that that's hilarious. I, I love, I love that you're like, let's make an alliance. Um, <laughs> well, but, we, uh, I said we could take out the zombies, and everyone's like. Why would we eradicate the zombies when it's so much easier to just use them against you? Well, one big thing is that I'm known as a not trustworthy player. Oh, and yeah. I I think that is unearned title. It was a, it was like I used to stab people in the back all the time back in the day, but right. now because. 
one of the downsides of playing with the same people for years is that they never let shit go. So like, so so Mike and Bo, neither of who were at this game, have brainwashed everybody into thinking I'm going to screw them in the you know like they so, so like I'm making alliances with complete strangers. There was a guy there I had never met before in my life, and I was like, hey, want to make an alliance? And then this other guy, uh, Breck, a friend of mine, is like. Is like, oh, don't trust him. He stabs everyone in the back. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I, I said, I, A, I haven't done it to you. And also, like, at what point do I get to li- like, I live that down? The, the thing, the problem with me you've, is that you've when done I your time, me, is what you're saying. I've done my time. It's just I laugh so much when I do it so that, so that people, uh, there's one time we were, the very first time I played Twilight Imperium, um, you're supposed to, you know, build up and like, do all these sort of <laughs> do all these sort of things uh, towards your objectives and all mm-hmm. that before conflict begins. Like conflict is kind of like a last resort type of thing, right? Uh, and but I started off like right next to Bo, and I uh, and I made a deal with him right off. Like I shook, like we shook hands. He made me shake his hand, and uh, <laughs> to say that to say that he was. That we I, we were partners. Did and like, you stab him like, in the back after shaking his hand? Because I could not, see that crushing bow. Not only did I stab him in the back after sh- shaking oh. his hand, I did it immediately after. Like oh. literally, 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 he moved all his ships to the other side of his his, uh, his sort of space area, <laughs> freeing up my flank. Freeing, freeing up the flank with, with my ships, and I should have just been patient one turn, one turn to let him get into a fight on that other side so that he would have been, you know, perhaps lost some ships or, you know. But instead, I, instead I went in and I attacked him. And uh, I, I took I took to the planets and I was laughing. I was crying laughing, and Bo was so upset because – this was at the very beginning of the game, so everybody was kind of now we were both weakened. Like yeah. even though I won, I was I was weakened, and um, and of course Bo just could not let it go. So he just attacked me and attacked me all game, and then we engaged in this the longest war that crippled both of us all game. So we were non-factors from the very first turn because I had to stab Bo in the back and Bo couldn't let it go. At one point I was like, Bo, just let it go, man. We're back to where we were. I won't attack you. You won't attack me. He's like, I don't trust you anymore. I'm going to just attack you until you're dead. I'm like, all right, fine. I can totally see that too. I can see both those uh, things happen. Those scenarios. So anyway, but in my older age, I see things a little more strategically, a little bit more long-term, but I have to live with the choices of my youth. You do, and it's funny you mentioned like that behavior because the the uh, one of the guys we play Risk with, he we the first game we played, no one knew how he played, and I think you know his partner had warned us like, hey, he's a bit of a, a bull in a china shop, so just watch out. And at the time, he was he was watching. He had invited us all over to his place to play Risk, but he was also out of the corner of his eye watching uh, HBO boxing. He swore it had nothing to do with it. This is just how he plays. But like we were all joking that like clearly you had just nosedived into the first person you saw like in wrist just like took his whole army made a ball and just punched through someone's defenses and just like gutted them uh and we were joking that oh you did that just because you wanted to watch tv but it's like no it's, i guess that's just how he plays so the next time before we went to play the guy who organized all the wrist stuff who, who brought the board game um and and the custom rules he he made up a contract that basically stated that if this person was to play like that again he had to buy the entire group beer and pizza and he got <laughs> and he got him to sign it too but then like obviously he never he never quite did the same thing again but he always joked like oh this contract's null and void it doesn't apply like it doesn't work like i didn't get it notarized whatever he had to say but um i didn't get it notarized it was pretty funny <laughs> like at the end of the day there were, i think I, and, and it was one of those blindside moments when it happened because he tore through my arm because he's like I said oh I'm going to go this way but don't don't attack me and I'm like oh he, I want to attack you and it's like but I had a pretty good defense it would have been not a strategic move for him to do it so I figured like ah, I can trust him he's not going to do it but sure enough he did and I was just like gutted I was like what? I I don't I don't understand like we're playing we're playing a board game and you're diving what's happening here and you're taking me with you uh, <laughs> It was it was a 
it was a lot of fun though i i I think we're trying to get another game together but that's like uh trying to wrangle um that many people in the summer no less is is a real uh real chore so i think we joked that uh we would aim for 2020 we tried to get something together for the summer (laughs) wasn't gonna happen um but i'm glad you had a good time at uh, twilight imperium I will just add one thing too mm-hmm. was that Jesse um, handled Gwen and Clara like solo on the weekend perfectly, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a good time and all this. And in the end, like they didn't need me, you know. And sometimes I I built in my head that like, oh no, you know, like it would be if I disappear for an entire weekend day, you know. That, and I I know it, to some people they might laugh at me, and be like, I do that all the time, but I don't. Like I'm normally, and I want to see my kids on the weekend too. So mm-hmm. it, it was more like an exceptional circumstance. But now I recognize that I could totally do that. Like, and that the world won't collapse and the kids were great and everything was good and bedtime went well and yeah. and all of those, those sort of things. So it was a, it was good. It was a good experience. I would have liked to have won, Yes. Uh, but uh, aside from that, it was a good experience. So what are you doing in the dungeons, Ryan? Well, I just have a quick story, and it's revolving around Super Mario Maker 2. Uh, on the weekend, we were at the mall, and I like to go into EB Games, if not just to look around and and kind of... Also, I don't know if when Caden's you know, older, if those stores are still going to be around. So I said, oh, Caden and Abigail, yeah. let's go good look point. in the in the game store so every time i go in there they give me something they have some promotional stuff and they figure because i have i have kids i'm more likely to to take it from them but honestly i would i would take it no matter what so uh they asked me (laughs) i am a big kid (laughs) yeah come on i love super mario maker 2 so they ask us if we're excited for super mario maker 2 and and basically it's this poster set and it came with three sets of stickers and i haven't really looked at this yet and this is kind of, you know, for the video folks, but I might remember to take a photo. So I said to Caden today, I reminded him, hey, you know, we have Super Mario Maker 2 coming out on, on Friday. I took Friday off, so we're going to play some while Abby naps. And I said, use the stickers and with Mommy, you know, mock up a level and we'll design it. And they literally used every sticker. So I'll just show it to, to the chat. I don't know if I'm showing that right. but um, And then I'll look at it here. So, they, yeah, they've literally used every every sticker but it's like not it's not incredibly something that would be <laughs> like that difficult to put together like he's he wasn't he, he kind of moved he put all the power-ups all over the place so i think this is doable we could probably make this so anyways I, I, we'll definitely talk about that um on our next episode when i've had a chance to build this level do you have mario maker one i do yeah so Okay, just as a here, here's the thing is like when I there was this game when I was uh, a kid, it, it and I thought that I wanted to be a video game designer, um, and it was called Unlimited Adventures. I think it was like a D and D Unlimited Adventures, and you could make like that. There were there were these sort of first person PC RPGs that were popular at the time, right? Um, like uh, Forgotten Realms or um, or D and D style, and there was one called Unlimited unlimited adventures that allowed you to make your own and so i got really into it and i i made like as a kid i made my own my own thing and i it was it was a lot of work and it was kind of you know kind of validating and it was a good good thing but ever since then i barely played it it wasn't you know it wasn't that great the thing i, I made but ever since then the the games that are with creation kits, be them the little big planets or the mm-hmm. little Super Mario Maker, I've had zero interest in. Like I, I'm sort of like my time is valuable. Give me a level that you made that is perfect, and I will play it. But God, I don't want to. I don't want to make it unless it's going to lead to me getting a job. <laughs> Just a, a little side note on that. I had to. Uh, and this work is for where, Nintendo. Well, I worked for Ubisoft too, and I worked as a a game master on an online game. And at one point, um, on the Rainbow Six team, they were looking for level designers. Right. And uh, I had to learn to. Do, they were like, "Okay, so it was around the time of Raven Raven Shield and, and stuff like that." This before the Vegas games on Xbox 360, and they were like, "Okay, just you know, there's a friend of mine who was like, just." you know study like try to make a level in unreal and all that here's the toolkit you know learn how to how to use it it's not super complicated oh god and all and so i started i was like okay and he he said like you'll be able to switch out of like the online stuff and you could be 
in Ubisoft proper doing a level design, being a level designer on, on Rainbow Six. And I was like, okay, all right, sure. So I just got to learn this stuff. So, so, you know, I was already working a fair amount of hours and I'd be at home. And instead of playing a game, I was using this. Now it was user fairly user-friendly software. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people like building levels in Unreal and it's not complicated to use. And that's partly why it's so successful. But it was complicated enough for me to be like, oh this is really annoying uh i don't like doing this i'm like i had a skybox so that was kind of fun uh i'm gonna make you know like so so at, at that point if i wasn't even able to dedicate myself to unreal to get a freaking job i definitely am not dedicated enough to a game like mario maker to uh to, to really get in there and be excited and make my own levels but i do have a question for someone mm -hmm. like you who is which is that you have Mario Maker 1, right. and it feels like to me, yeah, they've added a new stuff and all that, like new content, but like what – is it really like you're not making levels – I've never heard you mention about a level you're working on in Mario Maker no. 1. I think when Mario Maker 1 came out, the novelty of creating Mario levels allowed me to want to create levels. And really for me, the the appeal of Mario Maker, and when I was playing it when the Wii U was hooked up – was the fact that you had basically unlimited Mario levels. However, there's a lot of garbage in there. Uh, a oh, lot of, I believe it. A lot of stuff that you just do not want to touch. Now, my thing is with Mario Maker 2 is that I really like the core game of Super Mario Maker. And I'm not buying it for creating levels. I'm buying it for the, the flexibility of the levels that have been created within the game. And then also the fact that there's going to be some good stuff online and hopefully they've, they've really worked on, you know, the search and filtering to basically have the really good stuff surface to the top. And just the amount of stuff they've added, like they've got carts in here now, they've got, you know, the slopes, they've got the, the 3D Mario stuff, so the cat suits and whatnot. Um, so I think there's enough in there, plus all the co-ops, so like, you can go through a level with four players. They didn't have that in the first one. Uh, and they are going to be adding four-player co-op with your friends as well, which seems like a no-brainer, so I'm glad they're adding it. But, yeah, I think for me it's it's the fact that this is a unlimited Mario-level creation. And there is a story mode in this one. It was a little loose in the first one, but in this one there's, there's going to be like a full you know, 100-level story mode, which is essentially the length of a standard 2D Mario game. Oh, that's... Okay, that's... That, uh, that appeals considerably more. Mm -hmm. I remember I did the same Devil's Advocate thing with you in Smash Brothers, you sure. may recall. Like, I was like, hey, uh, okay, so, like, what's the difference between the Switch one and the Wii U one? Now, I don't have the Wii U one, nor have I ever played it, but I did get the Switch one, mm -hmm. and... and um, I definitely appreciate now the breadth of content, the world, the, the the story mode, and all of that sort of stuff that was in that in that game. Like it's there's a lot of stuff in there, so I was pleasantly proven wrong. And this really feels like a repeat of that situation. I'm like, oh, yeah. maker again, but they just did that. And why, if you're not playing the first one, would you play this one and and all this? So I think you've done a good job addressing that. Yeah, I'm curious. I think. I'll, no, go ahead. I'm curious what the reviews are going to be on this. I guess. Uh, me too. I'm definitely curious, and and I think I think it'll be uh, colored in a way that like this is a, a new Nintendo game for a very popular franchise and a very popular platform. So I think that's gonna you know color some of those reviews a little bit. But I do think it'll be a, it'll be a really good game, and and honestly, we can't underestimate for me um, as well as others like the. The barrier being $80 to have a game on a platform that I have hooked up, that I can play on the go, like, there is yeah. value there. Um, For sure. Especially if you are creating levels or wanting to play, like, oh, I want to play one quick Mario level that I, you know, that I downloaded or that I have access to because I'm on Wi-Fi. And these levels are very, very low, uh, low data because it's just, like... Hmm. It's just it's just numbers. Um, it's gonna sound like I don't know programming, but essentially, when you have level, when you have a program of levels in a two D space, like 
it's a small download because you're not downloading the assets, you're just downloading the placements of the assets and their behavior. So it's essentially like a very small file because it's just instructions for the level, you know, level editor, right? So it's very <laughs> small. Ryan doesn't know programming. Listen to the nerd try to explain things. <laughs> I thought that was pretty I have, good. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah. I, I, I've I, never I, used UE4, but I got to say that I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I actually didn't understand most of it, so I know it was good. I was just <laughs> going to say it's like shortcuts – you're, it's like shortcuts to shit that's already on the disc or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, essentially that's about it. So, I mean, I'll talk more about Mario Maker next week because I know Caden's really looking forward to it. I had to convince him that Yoshi's in the game, and that's the only reason he wants to play it because he seems. To be Are you guys like done done with the crafted world game or whatever? Like, I think that was... I think we're 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 we've finished it. We beat it. I think we're just clearing up you know in mario levels where like yep when you beat the main boss it's like oh if you collect a bunch of shit we'll unlock hard levels and like the levels are so hard that i'm dying so much and that caden's just like why are you sucking and i'm like well caden <laughs> when you beat a nintendo game nintendo likes to go all right watch this you know uh it's it's typical Daddy, of every nintendo game why are you so bad it's because <laughs> the game was so easy it's right? the game god damn it <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was it was good. I'm looking forward to it. It's coming out Friday, so I will report back on the next episode. You know, this made me think. Uh, one thing that I feel Nintendo missed the boat on a little mm-hmm. bit is uh, is like, you know, um, the first game Gwen and I really played together was Mario Odyssey, and it's divided into these kingdoms. But unlike the kingdoms in um, say Mario 64 where you jump in a painting in a castle the kingdoms are essentially like you're in a ship and then they're just added to this list right like that you could choose where you want to go and it's it's on a world map or whatever but it's it, you could a- easily add kingdoms to that yeah. uh, it like modularly like you could be like okay here's some dlc for you know t- 10 bucks or 20 bucks you get like four new kingdoms and all all it is is you get more moons and more more stuff and i would have bought the shit out of that and yeah. uh, i think a lot of people would have as well and maybe they're working on mario odyssey 2 and they're just like there's no point in doing that because we're we're gonna mario galaxy 2 this sucker we're gonna make a complete new game uh, with new worlds and maybe they're working on that now but if not, like, and they have all those assets, like, oh, man, they could have made a lot of money off people. Because I, I uh, actually almost got every moon in Mario Odyssey, and that's not something I normally do. So, mm. Well, um, there's, I, there's been, I wouldn't say studies, but certainly articles uh, in the past about DLC not selling as well as a brand new game. So if you look at DLC, like, there are only a certain amount of people who are going to continue to want to go back to that not old game but older game and when you look at a sequel people see that as a new experience so i think in the uh, in the example of like a new world for super mario odyssey that works well as a dlc idea but if you have enough ideas and the way nintendo's teams works and a lot of teams work is like they have a lot of great additional ideas and that's where breath of the wild 2 comes in and that they had more and more ideas for dlc and they decided well we can cut this down to like a couple of ideas or we take all these really great ideas and we implement them into a sequel. So, right. and that was the same idea for Super Mario, actually a real world example, Super Mario Galaxy 2. They were looking, they had all these leftover ideas from Super Mario Galaxy 1 and were like, well, let's just put them in a new game. And one of those extra ideas was Yoshi-based levels, right? So... It just goes, and that was back when Nintendo wasn't doing DLC, so they really only had one option, which was to like leave that on the cutting room floor, or packages as a second game. Um, but yeah, honest, I think yeah. Honest revelation: I have never played Mario Galaxy Two. It's I've only played, good. I've only played the first one, which it was also good. So I'm sure the two is also good. Man, I'm kill for an HD re-release of those Galaxy games. Uh, Sunshine, even more so. I think, you know, the GameCube and Wii Mario games are are very much uh, underappreciated now in this sort of HD re-release phase we're in. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, me too. I, it feels like they're si sort of sitting on that stuff. So we move uh, into the diapers because I'm cognizant of time. No, yeah. Let's talk about uh, diapers. So you've you've gone to a kinder couple – a couple last weeks have been kinder-focused for you, haven't they? Well, it's it, kindergarten is ending. Kindergarten mm -hmm. is such a funny word, eh? It's like it's like it's clearly German or something like Kindergarten. Kinder well, kindergarten uh, you know, cop, like, right? So, but he's not German. It, 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 he's Austrian. <laughs> yeah, um, but but he, it it definitely feels. I, it, why did I say Austrian with an Australian accent? I don't know. I was going to move past it. Let's move past. Um, so the uh, the yeah, it's. Uh, Gwen is in junior kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So this week, tomorrow, in fact, we're going to do some sort of like picnic graduation ceremony. So that's nice. cool. I got a report card today, which was, which was, uh, it is interesting how report cards are written for kindergarten students, you know, like they're just like growth opportunities and like all it's divided into categories. Obstacle and course, I, uh, design course, like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm like, she excelled. Uh, I, I, I for, thought so. For me, the thing is, is that as a as a manager in the government, I have to do routinely these employee reviews. Right. And I was I was reading, and they're always a bitch to do, and they're always super long, and you have to use all this sort of corporate wording, and you can't just say like you're crappy. You have to say like, you know, uh, Ryan uh, brick table, but has area could improve include his work areas you know like it's just it's just really written in such a crazy way and so the kindergarten stuff is written kind of like that in the report card but the difference is a bunch of um there's a bunch of like kindergarten students in a class where you only have like six employees yeah. or something so i'm amazed that the teacher like it's really thought it out not, not much of it looks look very much custom to the child so i give them full credit for that and um and the other thing is that like there as part of the end of season thing there was a choir at gwen, gwen school the kinder choir right i got a preview of it yeah you did and and like all the kids are super excited there's like six or seven songs they've been working on at uh, singing uh, and uh, it's funny because Gwen's been singing them at home all the time. She's singing them. Uh, and she doesn't know all the songs, but she knows a lot of bits, especially the choruses. And then, of course, it's, there's like 40 kids on the stage. They're illuminated by lights. It's in the gym. It's in the evening or whatever where we go. And a bunch of parents are there. And they're all taking out cameras. And then there's like there's the junior kinders and the senior kinders. And the senior kinders are like, woo! this is awesome and they're all singing really and then the junior kinders like Gwen and like her friend who'd been really looking forward to this just look absolutely petrified they could barely they could barely remember their words you know and stuff they're they're just like uh they've been singing all week and they can barely re remember it and uh I felt bad for them but then afterwards I got Gwen a flower to sort of like you know what was it from the florist oh, nice. and, and uh, so she was so excited to get it and I'm like you're a celebrity now and uh she really she really had a, a good experience um, after it. So that's all sort of the positive end of year stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's going to be going to another school for a month before I take the month of August off and take care of her uh, that month. But she's in another school and just their sort of um, sort of daycare program. So I'm sure I'll have stuff to say about that in future weeks. Um, you take the whole month of August off? That's awesome month of august off so i'm excited about that and, and my wife has it off too so we're really looking forward to uh august but um it, this is the first year i've had to deal with what the hell do you do with your kids during the summertime mm -hmm. and it is a weird thing uh because like a lot of people are like day camps and i'm like well what do you send your kid to like a day camp every week or what do you do like how expensive is that and how complicated is it and my kids or like transitions are kind of tough like mm -hmm. what, what's the deal so she's going to this one other school um that has this sort of summer program and she'll do that for the month of july and we hope that that's going to go well uh but one thing is the year close that closes up and the last thing i'll say about the the kinder stuff is it there's sort of like uh, it's interesting like school politics like kinder politics um okay. where is 
yeah, I know it sounds weird, but it's like so every class has like the teacher and then they have two ECEs, early childhood educators. Right. And they're like but they all honestly make a huge difference in your kid's life or experience, right? Like these are the they they're they're supporting the teacher and the teacher's only available so much for the kids. So the ECEs are super important. And anyway, the ECEs are based on uh, certain things um, and they, they're in certain classes at certain times, but, um, but, but uh, some of them also to secure the choice positions, seniority, and it's based on different things. Right. So, so like our favorite ECE, we're going to be losing this year because she's not considered, she's quite young and she's not considered like, like, a long enough serving staff member to get first dibs. And so next year there's like a new EC that's coming in that is being with the school board longer. I don't necessarily understand all the rules for it, but like we wrote a letter, an email to the principal and we're just like, yeah, we really like this EC. It would be really great if she could be back sometime or that you rehire her. We recognize that you have your criteria or whatever. It's sad because her friend, the ECE who who gave her the most attention and won't be there next year, you know, and and uh, it is just interesting because the teacher was kind of like saying stuff about the principal, you know, the oh, the principal does this and that for the EC for her favorite ECEs or, or not. She didn't say it like that, but she's she's definitely inferring that like she does she has disagreements with the principal and stuff. So it's just so funny. I was just like, wow, man, the politics of um, kindergarten. It's interesting because I think one thing you learn pretty quick when you graduate from high school, then graduate from college or university or both sometimes, uh, and get a real job, quote unquote real job, um, or start your career, you realize it doesn't matter where you work. There's always politics. I I cannot think of one place where there wouldn't. It's just human nature for there to be... I don't want to call it conflict, but like it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's what can it be. It can be that sometimes, but yeah, politics is a great word for it. And, and it's everywhere. And it does not surprise, like school, like my mom uh, was a teacher and she's still a teacher to this day. She, she does, uh, when she, when her four kids went, started going to school full time, she went back um, as a supply teacher. And like, yeah, there's definitely politics in teaching. Oh, yeah. For sure, even kindergarten probably like that. Like it just doesn't matter. It's a position, and the fact that you still have two ECEs, I, I thought that like the Ontario government was trying to like basically kill the ECE program or at least severely cripple it. Yeah, and it's very possible that that'll happen in the future. It hasn't yet and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's which is which would be crazy, you know. Like uh, uh, the ECs do so much um, for the teacher. They're essentially teacher teacher assistants and such. Well, would it essentially uh, be like basically killing a nursing program at, at, at like basically taking out a doctor's office and cutting your nurses in half, like your your staff resources? It's you know, um, it's crazy. And when I think we've even talked about it on the show in terms of like the ECs and, and uh, early childhood education, all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, that is unfortunate. You know, like when you see someone who clearly has a good fit with most of the kids getting, you know, passed over for someone who's just got seniority, basically. And I wonder if it's a union thing, maybe. Maybe. I, I would say, though, like, in the defense of the school and stuff, one of the re- – like, and this is this is a thing that I'm self-aware of, and I don't know this for a fact, uh, but, like, this – the ECE that's missing out on her opportunity that gets on so well with Gwen, I you know, I can't say that she's she gets on so well with any everyone. In fact, I do think that she may – Gwen may be one of her favorites. Hmm. And uh, generally, you – probably for a program like that do not want somebody who plays favorites or is in any has a has a visible favorite but as the parent of somebody who is a favorite you're like well you know what i'm willing to overlook that shit because my kid's the favorite you know and uh (laughs) it's so like i am cognizant of my own bias and such but uh, it doesn't change the fact that uh, that we'll miss her and i don't know i don't quite understand the politics behind it or the rationale that that was given and that sort of thing but you are absolutely right it's in there in every job even a kindergarten teacher 
job. So it's very interesting, though. And I think that it might be something that other parents can relate to who listen to the show or may find find surprising. Might be like, oh, shit, um, my kid's not yet at kindergarten. This is something I'm going to have to take into account. But, yeah, there's a lot that you can't control in the way that your child is brought up. Yeah, it's tough. You, you want to get attached to these people who are technically spending more time with your kids than you are at that point, you know, um, to maybe to a certain extent. But, like, they are they're, – they're staff. They're part of the workforce and um, – it's tough to get attached because like they could be there one day and the next year they're gone. You know, they moved to a different class. They moved to a different school. Like I, I think I went to a smaller school, so there wasn't a lot of turnover from, you know, basically kindergarten to grade eight. But then once you get into high school, like, you know, like there were, there were staple teachers, like they were there the whole time, but like there was a lot of movement. So yeah, I mean, it's tough, but, um, hopefully it'll work out and next year things uh you you find your new favorite for sure but uh for me uh this weekend was pretty crazy we actually went to the toronto zoo with uh abby caden uh, ashley and i plus my parents it was part of a celebration for my dad's work that was celebrating 50 years and they basically you know brought everybody to the toronto zoo they paid for everybody's admission so it was free admission and is, I don't know if you've ever have you ever been to the Toronto Zoo. I have as a child, and I had the like banner for the Toronto Zoo on my bedroom wall. Many years after, I had a, an amazing experience, but honestly, I don't remember. I I don't remember much. But it is like in Canada, we have so few like big zoos of of note. I went to the Granby Zoo recently, and okay. Granby is not as big a place as Toronto, but the zoo is supposedly comparable. It is a very fantastic zoo, so I, I know it can be a really good time. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I zoos are weird. Like I like. I like the idea of being able to see these animals in person, but I'm also like in the lat. We talk about juice being vilified, uh, and probably for good reason. Zoos are starting to to get that, you know, uh, are starting to be vilified as well. Like certain certain types of zoos, like Marineland and whatnot. Like, and you know, I know that a lot of these zoos, uh, when they take on these animals, it's in a conservation way. Like they were saving these animals, like. And I get that. And that's very front and center when you go to the Toronto Zoo. Like, a lot of conservation messaging thrown out there. A lot of, you know, protection messaging thrown out. And I'm sure most of it is legit. Like, I'm not saying that the Toronto Zoo is, like, spreading the the bad word. But honestly, I was impressed when I went there. Like, it is a huge place. Massive. Yeah. You know, I was talking to uh, Jocelyn, who who grew up in the Toronto area, co-host of Gamers Inn. And she was kind of over the moon that I was able I was going to be able to go and that I had never been before but she said like there's no way you'll be able to do it all in one day and I was like you know we have a zoo here in Peterborough which is very small you can easily do it in a day but uh I was like okay how big is this zoo but when you really do get there it is massive sorry you have a zoo in Peterborough we do have a zoo it's run by I think it's owned by the utilities company so it's a city-run zoo by the utilities company and it's got it's got a fairly good collection of, of animals. A lot of lizards, uh, a lot of reptiles, um, smaller monkey it, types, that sort of thing. We we don't have a zoo in Ottawa. You know, like you guys, I don't even I don't even get it. Camels, How is it? That, reindeers. Oh, it's, you have camels? Yeah, we have we had. Well, sorry, you know, R.I.P. One of the camels passed away from a from a blood disease, but uh, I don't know why I'm laughing. It was terrible. Um, but there are, <laughs> it was uh, terrible. The whole city mourned. It was really bad. Like this zoo is beloved in town here. And, and we go probably once a month with the kids and they love it. There's, uh, lots of great animals to see. Uh, they have a splash pad there that is very popular and it's this bite-sized zoo that the kids have gotten really used to. And that I've really grown to love, you know, ever since I moved here for university, we, we've gone to it. Um, but the Toronto zoo is just it's massive and that's one of the things where i'm not a zoologist i don't you know i'm not you know i don't know animals very well but i see these enclosures where there are these animals and like it feels like it's very well designed with the animal mind like very open very spacious for the animals where you feel you need it i mean the only one that was kind of sad was the was the cheetah i'm sure he can't like open up in there but uh 
is uh, it was pretty cool, and the kids loved it. The kids were over the moon. They loved seeing the animals. There was a little like zoomobile that goes around the whole park, so they did a leg on that. Um, Man, you know what? What zoos? Zoos would be a good topic for good, bad, or bullshit. It would be a good. I'm. You know what, man? I would be interested to hear what Bo and Mike have to say. Not that your opinion would be weird or anything, but I think Mike, I'm, I'd be really interested. He would probably lean in on the on the you're oh, caging these animals and Bo. Yeah, might, yeah. Oh, I I believe that too. Like, but Bo I, might be I, cool I, with it, but only with certain animals. <laughs> And he might get really fixated on on a couple specific animals. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> the other th- the other thing too is Bo. I I expect that Bo will be like I've never been to a zoo. Maybe. My opinion. Anyway, he'll say that they're good. Mike Mike will be like will say they're definitely bad for the reasons that you mentioned, and then I'll be like I don't know they're bullshit, and that'll be the show. But that said, we should still do it. You should add um, it to add it to and, the list. And to, because honestly, you're talking about the zoo, and like I went to the crocodile hunter zoo before he died in Australia. The zoo's still there, but he's dead. Um, but the uh, <laughs> R. It, it, yeah, uh, R.I.P. is such a weird thing. Eh? It's like rest in peace, but it's like when people, when people, especially in the age of Twitter, they just you know they'll 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 be somebody dead, and they'll they'll tweet like rip, and I'm like, God, is there a is there like a worse three letter acronym? At least that you add can- the dots, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Add the dots, or just write it out. Like, I mean, you still have the character content, but you have even it's more just characters like, now. It, it's just, yeah, it's just like capital letters, and they're like rip. I'm like, I, I know you're supposed to read it as like rest in peace, my son, or whatever, but it just, it just feels so, so horrible when I see it. So, but anyway, yeah. Bottom line, Crocodile Hunter is dead, but his, uh, his zoo is is still uh, is. It was uh, it was just very much about the conservation effort, very much in sync with that rehabilitation of animals and all that. So I, I think it's it's tricky in the world in marine land and all those things get such such a uh, sea world rather it gets such bad press is because it's like hey animals do stuff for our pleasure you know like do, you know dance for us animals right. and. Uh, and I think I think that's where it becomes much more clear. Where you're like, oh, okay, this is not cool. Like you're you're forcing these animals to put on a show. Like yeah, like it's that's... it's not a circus. Like the Toronto Zoo feels very much like it's it's not a circus. It's more of like a like a, it's a chance for you to see these animals in the person. Uh, and I mean, again, like I don't understand the whole thing about it. I'm sure if I could, I did a bunch of research, I could learn both sides and maybe you know dip into the ah oh, zoos are murder or dip in the other side and it's like you know the zoos are good they're good for people you know they cut down like a lot of the messaging around some of like the tiger enclosures or like we protect from poaching you know some of the donations that come in for the zoo we put them towards organizations that close down like old logging roads so that poachers can't get in to to the these habitats like it was really cool and and you know all this stuff like it it doesn't even register with a three-year-old and a one and a half year old they're just happy to see these really cool animals like abigail for about a week she wanted to see the monkeys that's that was her big thing she wanted to see the monkeys and caden somehow latched on to pelicans to the to the point where at the family function they had a they had a face painting station so my mom really want she loves getting her face painted so she wanted to do it so she waited in line with caden took 45 minutes to get through the line they get to the front of the line caden sits up in the chair and the girl asks what do you want and and he says i want a pelican <laughs> and the lady says oh we don't do pelicans we only do <laughs> zoo animals so she crushed his dreams in like both of them in, in one fell uh, swoop and the fact well, that he found out they wouldn't do a pelican on his face not even tr- half ass a pelican uh, like but also they don't have pelicans at the zoo so he comes back to the table and he's got this big pouty face on him like what happened and it's like they don't do pelicans and my mom's upset because like she went to sit down to get like something drawn on her face and they're like they only do kids <laughs> so they only do kids <laughs> They only do kids, but not pelicans for the kids. Not pelicans. Uh, they couldn't even fake a pelican. Like, just Google it and then draw a pel- He wouldn't even know, you know? You guys, you guys should go to Florida this winter. It's like 
Pelican City all the time there. I just want to get a BB gun. And boom. Actually, that's probably not politically correct. But probably we'll talk about the zoos. Uh, well, we, yeah, we, I we want to seek say out a pelican. Hi to the pelicans. Hmm. Yeah, you, I'm sure you can find some. Not too hard. Go go down south near the water, and it's pelicans. They're, they're like, you know, constantly stealing fish from fishermen who are working their asses off to catch a fish they're like oh look at this great fish i got and then the pelican just swoops in it's like it's mine now sucker they're so like they're the like trolls of seagulls 2.0 basically yeah yeah but they yeah, actually they work for their steel they're 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 like yeah they are very like seagulls can just get like the the leftovers and the small little fish that nobody wants but pelicans they got room for the whole main event fish they're like oh yeah you got your net catching all that fish look there's a good one i'll take it right now yeah you well see, i've seen a fisherman chase a pelican before oh maybe they... maybe kaden could get that painted on his face maybe i'll have to look into it but uh <laughs> I, I i think that's gonna do it for this episode because honestly how could you end on a on a stronger note kaden chasing pelicans Crofton, thank you so much. Such an excellent episode. We covered so much fun stuff. Uh, any uh, any final words before we jet out of here? Before I read the uh, the sort of outro. Uh, no, I would just say to everybody, uh, enjoy your summer. Mm-hmm. Happy Canada Day. Happy Fourth of July. All of that great stuff. Uh, next time we talk to you, it will officially be the summertime, and we will uh, we will continue to explore. Yeah, the dungeons and diapers, except this time maybe with more talk of air conditioning and uh, pools and such. So uh, stay tuned for that. I saw someone commented that you needed a pool for your backyard. And I was this close to commenting that like, or you could put a pool in just to take it out. And that's what <laughs> You could just fill fill in a pool and then put a, an above ground pool on top of the mound that you've now created. Oh, man. Story for another day. But, uh, yeah, visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. Email the show, dad, at tgistudios.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're both very active there. You can find myself at R. Murphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. That's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.